Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 61, which begins with Ripley Parker and Brett entering a passageway and ends with Ripley getting a signal and everybody looking off camera right. And today we have a returning guest for this week. We have Jason Heck back from, I believe, minutes 15 or 16 through 20. <laughs> I think it's been so long now. Good evening, gentlemen. So glad to have you back. It's uh, it's great. I was I was thrilled to get the invite. I, I know you guys have been um, doing this for a while, and uh, I was I was hoping that I would not be lost in the the shuffle of brilliant uh, guests and and uh, fellow alien lovers that you brought on. So I'm I'm thrilled to get the invite. You got some pretty good minutes today. Uh, we do. We have some uh, some suspense building and some uh, some good excitement coming up. Absolutely, beginning with with the hunt in earnest for for the little monster. Yeah. So this minute begins with. Our uh, search crew, however you want to uh, put it, Ripley, Parker, and Brett are walking down a passageway looking for oh, what they would even call it at this point, the alien, I guess. they they got to be figure the right. They're, they're looking for a little guy, right? They're looking for a guy about the size of Jones the Cat, actually, That's uh, and, and rather more phallic. In, in appearance, but uh, but definitely, and, and rather more uh, steel toothed than than our, our furious feline mascot. But um, whatever it is, it's small. It was certainly enough to, to kill one person if it if it explodes out of them. But certainly no real threat physically. It's not uh, not very big at all. And the first things out of Ripley's mouth is, uh, I thought you fixed this, you guys. Yeah. So um, yeah, we got the lights out here in the corridor. They're carrying lanterns, hand lanterns here. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the they took the time to have this little lights out moment in the movie here? I wondered in retrospect whether it was because there was some suggestion that the alien was smart enough to, you know, goof up the work that they had done. Right. Well, they do that in Aliens. How could they cut the power? They're animals, right? Yeah. So that's that's not too far fetched. We know that um, it certainly develops uh, cunning. But uh, I, it looks like, A, it's a reason for Ripley to bitch at the two guys who already hate her. And, B, it also shows that for all of their technical skill and expertise, there's stuff that's, that can still go wrong. Like, they, they can't always jury-rig their way out of trouble. So I, I think it sets up some doubt about um, the expertise or at least the condition of the ship um, and lets us know that there might be more un, unwelcome surprises um, that the ship itself could generate, not just the alien. Parker's pretty quick with the screwdriver, though. He moves over to the circuit box and tells Brett to give him some light. So the dynamic plays out between the two of them. Busts out a big knife, right? That's his. That's his multi-tool. It looks like a huge knife to me, but uh, but then again, it's only silhouetted in the in the flashlight. So it could be some sort of space screwdriver, I suppose. But it's uh, it looks like yeah, he's he's ready for anything. Gets over there and starts rewiring and doing the whole the grouchy Tim Allen thing and and <laughs> mi- mixing some wiring and yeah. And then she peels off just a few steps into the next room, which is a room we've never seen before. Yeah. We get a little glimpse at a completely different looking room. And we'll get the big glimpse of it later. And right. and for I think this is the first time I really understood that that was that was exactly the room the, the place that Brett is going to walk into. Yeah, I think this is actually one of the few points in the movie where um, I did. I guess I wasn't as aware of the geography of the ship as I thought I was. I did, I wasn't. 
aware until today that we were watching these minutes that that was the room. Yeah. I, I just had never noticed, you know, all those years we've talked a little bit about um, all those years of watching VHS tapes. Sometimes you can't see, you didn't see those backgrounds, those <laughs> right. murky backgrounds. Well, you're only seeing half of the frame anyway when you're watching half of the on frame. VHS. So you so, don't see that big truck. That's the other thing that throws mm-hmm. it off. There's a big old truck to the right. So when he walks into the room, you don't really see that because of right. the way that he's photographed and the reveal of the room doesn't have that in it. So it's, it's, it's good. It's a good trick. It's a sleight of hand. I mean, the, you can't really see that much of the space anyway. She is not out in that space for very long. She comes back to the two of them, and then they move to frame right because they hear a sound. I did notice as I was watching it that, the, that there's a cut. It's interesting. I think the shot was the whole scene was shot in one, and it panned with her as she went into the next room, and then she came back. Right. And it looks like they made a cut probably used the first half of one take and the second half of another take. But again, the economy of the shooting is really evident here. And it's great. It's, 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 it's scary and it's, there's lots to look at and, and, and everything else. But when you really see how it's being photographed, it's done really without any anticipated or planned cuts, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the, uh, I like the idea that it's, it's just one, it's, it's one, uh, one shot. And I also love the idea that, um, they're now in the grimy kind of underbelly of the ship, what feels like the engineering spaces, the spaces where Brett and Parker are most comfortable. We've left these sort of well-lit, more reassuring confines of medical and the dining room and everything else. And so now it we're really turning into a haunted house movie. We we've sort of the lights aren't off, which is aren't on, which is a pretty classic haunted house trope. And you know, usually it's a you know, oh, I'll just go change the fuses in the basement, and then you know, that's when the axe plows into the head. But now we've kind of started going from horror, which began with a horror, a just unbelievably shattering moment of body horror, and we're now sort of transitioning from sci-fi into sci-fi horror, and it's really elegantly done. I, I just love the idea that the lights aren't on, which. It's just an old timey touch. It's it's nothing that's, you know, that you would expect in an ultra modern for the time spaceship, even though it's still kind of grimy and not exactly two thousand one ish. But you'd expect the lights to be on, even though they had a kind of traumatic landing and everything else, and they're not. Which it, there's some unease that's that's instantly planted there, and the fact that you have the automatic suspense generator of the detector with them, which is as effective a, a, a suspense engine as a countdown or a, a shot or two of a bomb or something else. It's it's this great thing that gives us information, but it's never too precise. So in the dark, which they are in, it might be the only way they have to find this thing, period. Did the lights actually do flicker on? And, and yeah. did, did Parker do that? <laughs> I was going to ask the exact same question. He does I was, it. I was wondering, are you sure? Because he seems pretty confused about it. If you watch, he looks over his shoulder and he's he has this confused look on his face, and I'm not sure he did anything. Or maybe he to didn't know what happen. he did. Maybe I, maybe, <laughs> maybe inadvertently fixed it. Again, my argument that Brett's the one of the two of them that actually knows what he's doing. The savant, right? Parker's the blowhard who who takes all the credit. But no, he he messes with it and 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 wriggles his screwdriver or knife around, and and then when they come on, I think he's he's confused and irritated by the fact that they're flickering. On that nothing that it's not a quick and easy fix. I think he probably expected you know to have, have some real light, versus right? That. As opposed to haunted house flickering fluorescence, which come on. So. Not well, to we, mention that as soon as lights come on, you're expecting to see a lot. Maybe he was anticipating this thing being anywhere in the shadows that they weren't able to see previously. So when the lights came on, maybe he was just looking, giving a look around, and maybe that was a little bit more fear. Or, anticipation on his face than confusion but i i was with you mitch i wondered 
I, it seemed as though the lights just came on, and he was like, wait, did I do that? Light's tricky in this movie because they move into the next room, and there's the light coming through the window, and then they open that door up, and this blast of light penetrates the room, sort of sucked up by the atmospheric smoke. And it's not that bright in that room, so it's great. It's suddenly the, the light's not really helping that much. I mean, yeah. it's, it illuminates it slightly, but lots of shadows. and Yeah, I, I think the corridors, everything in the engineering spaces, all the, all the paint and everything else, it sort of sucks up the light. The lights are recessed anyway. They're sort of fluorescent tubes that are stuck in, in between conduits and pipes and everything else. So it's not like you have great lighting at the best of times. But the fact that all the spaces in engineering are painted black and gray – it makes the crew members stand out more. If you, they, they all seem sort of luminous in their white outfits, which kind of makes them look even more lost in the dark. Um, even when the lights are on, their clothing seems to be picking it up, but you can't get any details or anything else. You can see you know, knobs protruding or things like that, but even when they're all on, you're still sort of lost in the dark. She's definitely leading the the charge into this room. She's got the detector. She's got the detector. She's she's first went through the door and she's also pretty much calling the shots. So I think we're again foreshadowing where we may be headed with her in terms of of her as a, as a natural leader. Yeah, and it does seem that for this bit of the movie at least, they're they're along with it. They're not uh, grumbling or or bucking up against her orders when she gives orders, she, they they seem to be doing it. So this is just a momentary uh, little team effort I think we're getting here. I think the trauma of Kane's death probably knocked a lot of the vinegar out of them, though, right? Sure. I mean, they just – everybody has to pull together to get this thing the hell off the ship. I mean, as Dallas said, it's going in an airlock. I mean, they're, we're going to find it and get rid of it. So whatever furthers that goal, those two guys, whether or not they hate her for being a woman or for being in charge or for being a manager or for getting stock options – they're going to cooperate to further that goal. So it's it's interesting how, um, I mean, Dallas or, uh, Kane's death really does shock a lot of the um, insubordination or, or fire right out of them. They're, they're, I mean, you've got Brett with his, with his prod, like his little Sir Lancelot, and you've got Parker with the net, and Ripley's the one. It's interesting, they're doing the physical. They're the ones who are in charge of capturing it. She's just going to point them in the right direction, but they are clearly keyed on acting in whatever direction she points them. Hey, can we talk about that truck a little bit more for a minute? I think you mean space tractor. Yes, the space tractor that we see off to the right when Ripley's kind of checking out that other room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, again. I, I you guys have talked about. Um, well, in in when I was here before, we talked about the elegant, intuitive, and incredibly economical proper use. Just finding junk, finding old plane cockpits, finding old electronics to build the Nostromos bridge out of and give it this really lived in feel and this is sort of the same thing it's you know tractors are tractors are tractors whether it's now or 1870 or 2079 you're going to need tractors to move heavy equipment to move pallets and that's what this is and what's really cool is in alien here we see them reusing what is clearly a kind of airport luggage train tower that you see out on the tarmac they've obviously put a bunch of kind of bric-a-brac all over it. But in the sequel, Aliens, and if you guys remember the uh, the Marines and their giant APC, that's actually a pushback tractor that they found at, I believe, Heathrow or something like that. One of those monstrous things that's used to push jets back from uh, from the jetway. And it was like 50 tons or something like that. And they mocked it up to be this 
cool APC thing. So kind of reusing some some airport bric-a-brac for our, our awesome sci-fi horror and sci-fi action movie. So it's interesting then that it is in this room um, that we get this glimpse of that we're going to see more of later, we do get this real real world familiar thing. Um, I think that kind of sets us up for a little change later. But uh, we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Um, I, I think you're right. It's the the movie is it's it's good at giving us the familiar, right? They eat cereal, they eat they they eat spaghetti, they drink beer out of cans or some kind of. Uh, so there there are all these, and you, you know you could look at it and say, oh, how smart they're they're using current props. But it also again makes us identify with these people working stiffs, eating not great food in their their giant basically semi truck in space, and it's filled with industrial stuff to. And again, is there anything that's dirtier or more dangerous than hauling stuff around on an airport tarmac? And so this truck, this space tractor, if you will, and I think you will, um, brings it to mind that, that, you know, these people have to move incredibly heavy stuff. They have to haul God knows what kind of noxious chemicals and tanks of stuff and pallets of stuff. And they just use their, their faithful little donkey, their, their diesel tractor to kind of haul it around in this, uh, this cargo room. So I, I think it's nice. It's a touch of the familiar and, 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 and reinforces the very industrial, grimy, working blue collar nature of the Nostromo, what it does and what the crew does. So she drifts back in, at which point the lights actually come on. And Presto. I, I know. Did you, did you see the look on, on, on Parker's face when that happens? Yeah, he seemed a little confused to me. You guys have no faith in Parker. You think Brett is like Cardinal Richelieu, like he's the genius behind Parker. Parker's the blowhard figurehead who can't do anything. I swear this 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 theory, I'm going to put it to bed. He clearly fixes the lights. He's just irritated at how they flicker. Let's. I, I'm, I'm on record. I'm going to point out that in the previous minutes, um, it was Brett who who crafted the cattle prod while Parker sat back and chewed about 15 uh, pieces of gum. He carries the net. Didn't have any <laughs> say <laughs> in He carries the net. That's an I'm important job. Why don't you marry him? Why don't you write Yavikoto? But marry Brett? Yeah, no, uh, uh, I guess you yeah, I'm on. Matt. I'm team Brett here. Why don't you ask Yavikoto for Harry Dean Stanton's hand? I'm sure he'll give it to you. You guys are such Brett lovers in here. I, You know, he's just, he's a follower. He's a parrot. He's a hick. He happens to have some mechanical aptitude, but... Parker's the brains. He's a savant, is how I like to look Man, at it. I, I disagree. I, well, I, I, Brett a, drives a tractor. Not to give anything away, but he's a short-lived savant, and we'll be getting to that eventually. What? Except you gave what? everything away. I know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to ruin the movie, but Rocky wins. Well, as the as the uh, as the sound goes off on uh, on Ripley's right, we hear the, the the faint buzz, and what I like is as a signal builds, the sound builds which I kind of like. It lets you know the proximity. The louder it gets, you know, the closer it is. And we're still, what's great is we're still in this same, more or less single take. Yeah. And and so Parker and Brett sort of move to the right towards that sound. And the minute ends right here and we're going to leave you hanging in space. I don't have anything else. I don't either. I'm just excited to get on to the next minute. Let's get to the this next is a great minute. minute. We start in suspense in a dark hallway we end with the first real sign that they are about to move in on this menace. And I thought this was a great minute. Where right. can they find us? Uh, you can find us at AlienMinute.com or you can follow us at AlienMinutePod on Twitter. You can also uh, go buy a t-shirt over at TeePublic. Uh, you can just type in Alien Minute there and buy a t-shirt, a hoodie, anything you want. And flaunt it around and advertise for us if you'd like. It's for the children. 
for well they do have kids sizes so that is <laughs> that's true. what i meant too i also <laughs> meant that all right well tune in tomorrow for minute number 62 thank you